Hello, everybody, and welcome to Policy Matters. I am Eric Allen here with my lovely co-host, Nicole Horn. Hi, everyone. And we're in the home stretch, Eric. Oh, it's almost over. The general, it, it's like the good and the bad of it almost being over. That um, The good, obviously, being that hopefully some bad bills will stay dead, but uh, that died will stay dead. But, you know, they're like zombies getting resurrected and tacked onto other things. Yeah, we're we're getting to that part of the the silly season where it's going to be just an all out sprint to see what actually um, gets passed, what doesn't get passed, and you know, keep it in mind that this is just year one of a biennium. So, you know, when you think things are going to die, there's always next year. Um, yeah. So, any yeah. of these bills that don't make it, it's not like it's not going to ever happen. It just means not going to happen this year. So, um, <laughs> so no, we've we've got some crazy stuff that's been going on and. We're going to lead off with something that we have talked about the last two weeks, uh, yeah. but it's finally passed both chambers, um, and that's SB B one forty. The that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, and that's the the bill that really is targeting and attacking. I'm going to call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, our trans children. So, as a reminder, everyone, this is a bill that makes it illegal for um, any surgical procedures around uh, gender to be conducted before the age of 18. Um, And what's fascinating about this is that when I went to, I was, uh, I was at the house trying to advocate for it when it passed last week, talking to parents of transgender children, and they're like, that doesn't exist. There's not surgeries that kids have before the age of 18. And really what we're talking about is, uh, is trans women, young uh, children who were born men who identify as women, um, having surgery to make changes to their, um, to their gender areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I heard from several parents was that doesn't happen. That's not a best practice that's recommended. So that wasn't a real issue. But on top of that, it blocks hormone therapy, which does happen and which is not permanent. And it is absolutely an attack. And the difference between the Senate bill and the House bill is the House bill added criminalization for doctors to it. So extra special. Yeah. And I want to, I want to focus on that for a minute because I think people really need to understand that adding that criminal element, adding that ability, you know, to, to bring charges on someone, this is, this is what's really going to create the chilling effect. Uh, because yeah. a lot like, you know, House Bill 481 passed a few years ago that was litigated, the, you know, heartbeat bill, as you, you know, as they called it. Um, when, when you have a physician looking at the choice of either treating an individual or facing criminal penalty, that puts them in a very weird spot because the, the bill is so nebulous. I mean, if someone comes into a doctor and, it is a a young female who just happens to need a breast reduction because of back pain or or anything else. Yeah, a physician has to sit there and go, well, what do I do? Do yeah. I do what's in the best interest of this family and this individual, or do I risk some right wing nut finding out about it and then wanting to press charges against me criminally because I'm doing what's in the best interest? 
you know, I, I think Senator Warnock, when he's campaigning, he says it best is that the hospital room is way too small for a patient, a doctor and the United States government, or in this case, the state of Georgia. Yeah. It's um, crazy. Yeah. We, we have got to get out of the business of dictating to doctors uh, what they can and can't do. The legislature is not the qualified body to determine healthcare outcomes or best practices in healthcare. Well, for those, so right now the focus for those working, and I'm I'm included in this, Eric, I know you're included in this, working against this bill is to flood the governor's office with calls. So y'all can call the governor's office and encourage him not to come. There is also going to be um, a rally. I thought it was this Thursday and I thought I had it on my calendar, but now I'm, ah, a veto rally um, Thursday. I have it on March 30th, but as we're, I, I should have checked that before we got online. As we're talking, I, I want to make sure it's March 30th and not March 23rd. So, but I, um, I'll check that while we're continuing to talk. But I hope that people will, at the very least, please call the governor's office and, uh, and stand against this and tell him to veto this. And I, I keep coming back to, the hormones that they're suggesting we block are temporary. Like yeah. you, you can't, once you stop taking them, it, you can't, it, the, the changes that they were supporting end. So, yeah. Well, and, and, and once again, I think, I think we, when we get into the debate on this policy of, 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 of too much of the, the impact, the drug, what's going to, you know, that it, it negates the main conversation I think needs to be had is the state government has no role in the care that my doctor provides. That is between me and my doctor. Um, And, and, you know, we, we hear the words from the right of Liberty and freedom and all these buzzwords they like to use. Well, where's (laughs) my Liberty and freedom when I go to my doctor's office? You know, no, no one is saying that you have to do this. So why do you have to take it away from me? And it's, you know, Nicole, I say, and I tweet it out and I say it all the time. The fundamental difference between Democrats and Republicans, Republicans do things to you. Democrats do things for you. Yes. And this is a prime example of the, the, the extremism of, that is, that is hijacking the, the Georgia GOP right now is pushing legislators who know better, who never would be in this situation to fall in line because they are terrified of a far right primary uh, and losing. And, and that's what happened when you have that environment, you get things like SB uh, 140. And before we go on and, and move on to some other things, I want to just put this out there. Nicole said to call the governor's office. That number is 404-656-1776. Once again, it's 404 656 one seven seven six. Pick up the, the phone and call. And the rally against this is on March thirtieth from noon to one. So if you can take the time to come and join us at that rally, please be there. Like having the support will show it. Will will show this is a bad. It's bad legislation. Uh, the other thing that was interesting to me, Eric, as I was talking to parents who had also talked to legislators, because you and I are talking about. Um, 
don't take these medical decisions away from us. Um, it, and you made the comparison to the heartbeat bill. Well, Republicans are pushing against, they're not hearing that leave us in charge of our own medical decisions. They've already made the decision right. that that is not important to them. So they sideline, they put that argument completely to the side because they associate it with a pro-choice position. So the more compelling position for people who want to hopefully change the mind of our governor is this is at the very least the the hormonal change the hormones that are being presented are temporary and it was interesting the parents that I was talking to were they were less scared about the ban on surgeries and far more concerned about the ban uh, around hormones yeah ab- absolutely and and once again it it proves the disingenuous argument of our friends on the right who will tell you that they are pro-life, um, they're pro-birth because this yeah. is really about life yeah. and quality of life. And no one cares. They, they do not care about that. Um, you know, they, they are pro-birth. Once you're born, you're on your own. Um, and we will dictate to you how and what and, and you know, where you can live out your best life. And I, I think we do need to take a stand. We need to contact the governor, ask him to veto it. And just in a, in a, a little bit of a political frame, Nicole. I mean, we, we all know that uh, Brian Kemp is not going to go into retirement after he uh, leaves office in three years. Yep. He has already made some 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 moves, setting up a federal pack, doing all the right things to run for federal office. Um, I I hope that the the outpouring of calls will send a signal to him that you are not going to win statewide again. For U.S., you know, he's probably going to run for Senate against yeah. John Ossoff. You, you are not going to win over any voters by passing a bill like this. You know, yeah. we, we Georgia has proven that the federal statewides are viewed completely different than the national than the uh, statewides that are, are for the state house. Yep. And so it, I, I think that an outpouring of communication and that rally and everything else will kind of make him give pause. The other thing I've talked to. Uh, quite a few um, attorneys uh, about this and some other things. And there's a consensus that this probably won't even pass the legal muster. It may just be a, um, a, a messaging bill. And I believed in committee um, or no, I take that back. Uh, I, I believe it was on the floor of the house. Uh, I'm for the Senate during debate this week. One of the senators asked the question, um, was this deemed unconstitutional by the attorney general? And the question was ignored. Interesting. And Interesting. so, so I, I think this isn't the last fight. We're going to hopefully be able to petition to the governor, not to sign this into law. But we also have, um, you know, th- this, uh, this is something that should be tied up in the courts um, for quite a while. Uh, and so that's number one of the crazy uh, but fresh off the press, uh, we got um, something else we've been talking about the last couple of weeks with the um, the voucher bill that was in the the Senate, passed along party line in the Senate, was yeah. heard in committee uh, today. This is uh, Wednesday, um, and um, it was heard in committee today. And I believe uh, Nicole was the maximum was increased. Yeah. From six thousand to sixty five hundred, yeah, so it just keeps getting better um 
and, and keep in air mind, quotes, that, that, uh, hear my sarcasm. <laughs> right. And, and well, and the reality is we have no idea what the impact of the state's going to be. Yeah. Um, there's no fiscal note. It wasn't one when it was 6,000. There's not a new fiscal note going to be drafted at 6,500. So once again, th- th- we don't know exactly what this is going to be taking from the state coffers. Um, yeah. and, and what will be going. So, you know, once again, uh, just we're, we're just moving backwards, Nicole. Uh, and, and that's why well, we need the madness to stop. So the, the, the proponents will say that the program would only be funded in years in which the state fully funds its $12.5 billion K-12 formula. And it's only for children who live in attendance zones served by the uh, lowest scoring 25% of the state's academic ranking system. But here's my pushback. But even if 1% of Georgia's... Uh, 1.75 million public school students were given money. That would cost more than $110 million a year. But $12.5 billion, there has been talk for years that that is probably not enough. And we need to re-examine our allocation and how it's allocated. Um, and you have said multiple times, 6000 and now 6500 is not enough to pay for private schools. It's, it's not the gap. This, this, that's not the gap that creates the decision of whether or not you are going to um, send your kid to private school or not. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't know how this money is being spent. It's, you know, because it's very broad towards academic improvements. It's very broad. So we have no idea how it's being spent. It's it's a black hole, and it's a black hole that is I is no doubt taking away from kids who really could need and use this money. Yeah. So ed- education once again has been been under attack, and you know we're we're once again not doing the things that could be beneficial to all Georgians. We've got you know this bill moving forward that really impacts a select few. Uh, there, there's even a cap on the number of people who can take advantage of that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really targeted to a certain few. And I, I juxtapose that with, you know, bills like HB 381, which was a workplace harassment bill. Uh, it, no one's talking about that. It didn't even make it over crossover day. But if, if you're really about protecting people and even going back to, you know, SB 140, where they said it's called the Children Protection Act or whatever else, but yet <laughs> the legislature cannot pass legislation to protect employees with workplace harassment. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is just the epitome of what's going on. I mean, we've, you know, there are opportunities for good things to be done in the legislature, Nicole, but I think this year uh, we're seeing the, the national hyperpartisanship kind of creep in and the, the, the hijacking of the, the GOP by the Trump acolytes. Uh, and these yeah. extreme right views. Um, I, I'm only hopeful that we can moderate, um, you know, in the near future. Uh, only, what if, if, only if we flip the house. I mean, yeah. I, I think because we were hoping that this might be a less partisan year because it's not an election year, but this is the norm. Well, so when, when, when you look at redistricting and, this is what people have to to grapple with in Georgia. When we redistrict last year, there was, you know, no hope 
of Democrats taking the House at that point. Because what they did was they they surrendered a couple of Republican seats to solidify the others. And when you've got majority of that House in extremely safe Republican seats or even Democratic seats, that means that the only way these people can be beat is through someone outflanking them to the extreme. So if everybody's pushing to the to the extremes, the only way to lose in a primary is to get outflanked. And someone be more to the right than you are or more to the left than you are. And so it really creates this environment to where I actually thought that calmer heads would prevail. But I think we're seeing that in real time that the the people that are there, the especially on the GOP side, because they're in the majority, they're the ones that actually get their bills passed. Let's just be honest. Um, they are so terrified of being outflanked that they're making horrible decisions. Um, yeah. I, I know for a fact there were there were people in the House that abstained from the vote on 481 who felt like they had to vote on HB 140, uh, on Senate Bill 140, uh-huh. uh, because it showed that they were willing to take that extra step and go extreme. I think the voucher bill is the same way. And even legislation that is is reasonable, there's a, a House bill, House Bill 520, which is a continuation of the Mental Health Parity Act that uh, Republicans pushed through last year, it passed the House and is now being stalled in the Senate because some senators are afraid that it doesn't go far enough. And they're hearing this chatter um, from from these far right groups. And you've got senators that are that are very reasonable, like Caker Patrick, um, who is now opposing this. And, and, and Senator Kirkpatrick is very good on these uh, mental health and 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 recovery and healthcare bills, but because she's afraid of what's happening on the right, she's not willing to support common sense legislation. Yeah, in fear of a primary. So I, I think it's um, we got we got to buckle in for a couple of years because I think it's going to be the new norm. Um, and until Georgia voters have an opportunity to vote in competitive districts, and we can flip the house. We are going to have some crazy, crazy stuff. And that's why these statewide elections, I'm going to start campaigning for it now. I don't know who's running. I don't care who's running. We need a Democrat in the governor's office because that is the only way to to have this veto pin, to make sure that the crazy that they do has some checks and balances. And I honestly believe we can make that appeal to Georgia voters that you've got to put it. We have to put, for lack of better words, a governor. Um on this on on this legislature. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note, Eric, uh three days left. So our next conversation will be, I think, a longer conversation around things that passed and didn't pass and things got that got snuck in. So we'll connect with everyone soon. But uh please, please, please call the governor's office around SB one forty or and or come to Liberty Plaza on Thursday, March 30th at noon. Which is the day after Sonny dies. So um, we will know exactly um, by the time we get to that that rally on Thursday, we'll know exactly what passed, what didn't, um, and, and what the ramifications are. And then, you know, Nicole, our focus is going to be watching to see what the governor signs. He's got 40 yep. days to to sign or veto uh, these bills. And so we're going to be watching into the, um, the late spring to 
to find out what's going on and keep you guys plugged in. So make sure you look out for us next week. Uh, we will be ready to digest the conclusion of the 2023 legislative session. And hopefully, um, you know, it won't be as bad as we're expecting. Yes. So, All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. See you next time on Policy Matters.